Hosea chapter 6, God willing, we'll be expounding verses 8 through 10 this morning. Hosea chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. The title of the message is, A Robber and a Redeemer. A Robber and a Redeemer. In verse 7 last week, we learned that God interacts with us based on covenant relationships. And that Israel, like all of us, had transgressed their covenant relationship with God. At no time in history has man been faithful to his responsibilities to God. He's broken every covenant God has made with him. So in order for us to enjoy relationship with God, He made a covenant for us, we learned last week, that we can't mess up. <laughs> Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel, God fulfills both ends of the bargain. God's part and man's part. God's part as the Father, man's part as the Son. Man, that's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> now in verses 8 through 9 this morning, we get a glimpse of just how far Israel had strayed from God, which will show us just how far society can fall in a few generations' time. This morning, the Scriptures turn our attention to the beautiful land of Gilead. God said, look in Hosea 6.8, Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Thank you for these precious people. And I pray, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit will teach us and feed us with your truth this morning. May all eyes be on you. And may we glean your truth from your precious word, Father, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity. Now, the land of Gilead was a mountainous region that was on the other side of the Jordan River. Back, uh, not closest to the Sea of uh, to the sea, but, but on the other side where Israel had come from as they exited Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land. They had to cross the River Jordan. Well, this is on the other side of the River Jordan. And it was a beautiful land that the Bible says was good for cattle. Good grazing land. A very lush land. It was a, a mountainous region. Very, very lovely. And for that reason, the tribes of Reuben, Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh wanted their inheritance to fall on that side of the Jordan in that land of Gilead, and God allowed that to, uh, to take place. And when we studied the Song of Solomon, you remember when we were studying the Song of Solomon not too long ago? The Lord uh, was speaking to His church. Jesus was speaking to His church in Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm sorry, we don't have those verses, those auxiliary verses this morning. But in the Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 1, if you're taking notes, Jesus, speaking to His church, said, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Very lovely part of the world. So Gilead was a place that was well spoken of in the Bible in terms of both beauty and provision. But spiritually speaking, Gilead was a place that was designated as a uh, city of refuge. It had a city of refuge inside the land of Gilead in the Old Testament. Let me tell you what a city of refuge was. In the Old Testament... 
if somebody were to kill your loved one, then you, as the, as the, the near kin, had the right to avenge your loved one's death. We say all the time, well, I'll tell you what, if someone hurt my little boy or my little girl, I'd kill them. We say it all the time. Someone were to come and break in the house and rape my wife and kill her, I'd kill them. Say it all the time. But a lot of times we don't. Most of the time people would say that, but they don't actually follow through with it. Because they know that if they do, they may go to jail as well. And uh, so they try to let the judicial system handle it. But the Bible, uh, God knowing man and knowing what's just, the Bible actually allowed you to hunt down the person who killed your loved one and kill them. It's natural for a person to avenge the death of their loved one. It would be very difficult for me if someone hurt my wife and I knew they hurt my wife. It would be very difficult for me to not want to go chase them down and snuff them out of this world. All right? And so God allowed that in the Old Testament. It was a good thing. At the same time, a person could be unjustly accused, couldn't they? So we definitely need a right to a trial. So how do you blend the two things, a right to a trial, a right to speedily avenge your loved one's death? Well, God appointed cities of refuge. So if uh, Brother Luke were to uh, hurt my loved one, and then I had the right to go hunt him down. But it's kind of like when you're playing hide-and-go-seek. If you can make it to base, you're home free. So if he could outrun me, and he could get around and get a head start on me, and he could make it inside one of those cities of refuge that was scattered across the Holy Land, and he could get inside those gates before I got him, which at my age and his age, he probably would, I'd have to appoint someone younger and faster, <laughs> do it by proxy. But, but if he got inside there, he was home free. There would be a trial, and if he accidentally killed my loved one, it wasn't on purpose, he wasn't trying to do so, uh, it was manslaughter, but maybe, but not murder for sure, uh, then uh, he could live in the city of refuge and remain there until the high priest died. Now, if he comes out of the city of refuge, <laughs> we'll get you, all right? But he could stay in the city of refuge and be safe there. It was another Old Testament picture of Jesus, our refuge that we can run to at the cross and be safe until the high priest dies. We get to live there, and our high priest, Jesus, never dies. But back then, you didn't call 911. You didn't wait for the lengthy judicial system to play out. You hunted down the killer and you killed them yourself. And so, who was in the city of refuge? The priests. The priests were in the city of refuge. The Levites were in the city of refuge. The men of God gave refuge to the people who were running for help. And they heard the matter. And they determined, after hearing the matter, what justice should be served. It's a very wonderful thing. Joshua chapter 21, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down in your margin. Outside of Hosea chapter 6, verse 8. Joshua chapter 21, verse 38 says, And out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth in Gilead with her suburbs to be a city of refuge for the slayer. 
So Ramoth in the region of Gilead was designated as a city of refuge. Levites lived there. Priests lived there. And they were to execute justice and mercy in the name of God. So instead of being known as such a beautiful place, such a fruitful place, such a spiritual place, God said Gilead was a city of them that work iniquity. There was no literal city named Gilead in the Bible. It was a region And so it could be called a city here, metaphorically, taking the whole region in as a city and the people being in one mindset uh, as uh, being against the Lord and His Word. But God said this beautiful place, which was filled with priests, was a city that worked iniquity. Look back in your text. And is polluted with blood. Wow. Now, before a place can be polluted, it's got to be clean, right? I mean, you can't pollute something that's already dirty. I knew someone who used to live in a trailer park who was, had a cesspool right next to the trailer park. It was rough. You would never think, ha, ah, don't toss it in there, you'll pollute the cesspool. No one would ever think that. But if it was a nice, clean, pristine swimming pool... You would say, don't put that in there. You'll pollute it. You don't want to pollute the water. Gilead was a holy place. Gilead had the city of refuge in it. And uh, Gilead now was polluted with blood. Instead of being a place that preserved life with God's word, it was a place that took life against the word of God. It was once a beautiful holy place, but now it was polluted with blood. You see what God's doing here, he's charging the people of Gilead with murder, which is the most heinous offense of all. But you know what was the worst part? The most aggravating part of of the murder here was the people who were committing the offense, not the offense itself. God said, look back in verse 9, And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way. Yes, you got that right. The priests were the murderers. Of all places, it was the land of Gilead where the priests dwelt. Where the murders were being committed. And of all the people committing the murders, it was the priests who were committing the crime of murder. The people who were charged with protecting life and administering justice in the cities of refuge were instead taking life and violating justice. The people charged with the nation's welfare were acting as a criminal syndicate. Underscore, if you would, in your Bible, underscore, as troops of robbers... Underscore that phrase, as troops of robbers. Now skip down a few words and complete the thought, so the company of priests. Underscore, so the company of priests. As 
troops of robbers, so the company of priests. The company of priests in Gilead was like a band of armed robbers. God said the priests were like robbers who murder in the way. You see that in the text? They murder in the way. And the way is talking about the highway. It's referencing the highway. God is saying the priests were like a band of highway robbers who robbed and murdered people as they were traveling down the road. They were like a bunch of stagecoach robbers, carjackers, or thugs that rob and murder someone uh, when they mug them on a dark alley. That's what made this evil work so aggravated was the place it was committed. I mean, you would expect to get mugged if you're walking down a dark alley. But not in the city, uh, in the land of Gilead. Not where the priests were. People don't drive down the road, look at a church and say, Oh, don't pull in there. Might get your tire stolen, you know. Or don't pull in there, that's dangerous. Don't get around those church parking lots. They'll get you over there. Now we say, Oh, don't go in that neighborhood. Oh, don't go over there. No, don't go out there past, past 8 p.m. Not once it gets dark. It's dangerous out there. But here, the dangerous place were where the priests were. It's where the place was committed and the people who were committing that made it so bad. Who was behind these murders that God's talking about? Well, after we add up all the evidence, and I love solving a good crime. I solved a bunch of them in my time. And after we add up all the evidence, it leads us directly to the culprit. It was the work of the devil. That's who it was. Where did this murder take place? Think about it. In the most unexpected place where the city of refuge was. And who, who did it? The most unlikely people. The priest. Now think back to the first murder that ever happened in creation. The first murder that ever take, took place. Where did the first murder take place? Like Gilead, the first murder happened in an unlikely place. The first murder took place in heaven. In heaven. When we think of heaven, we think of eternal peace, safety, love, and all that's good, don't we? But the first murder was the mass murder of many thousands of angels. And it occurred in heaven when the devil led them to their eternal damnation through his lie and his open rebellion against God. That was the first murder that ever took place. And it was a mass murder. And it took place in heaven. An unlikely culprit in an unlikely place. Speaking of his judgment the last day, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Those angels that follow the devil and his rebellion in heaven have a place of eternal damnation. They will forever be dead. Cut off from God, their source of life, in a place of punishment. Eternal death. By rejecting God's word and teaching other angels to do the same, the devil murdered the very creatures he was created to minister to. You catching the connection here? 
In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44, listen to what Jesus, the one who created Lucifer, who turned against him, and now is known as the devil, listen to what Lucifer's creator said. Jesus told some ungodly Jews in John 8, 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. Started off in heaven. Because he did not abide in the truth of God. He was a murderer because he spoke lies to his victims. In the text that I just read to you, Jesus didn't say anything about a stone. He didn't say anything about a sword, a stick, or a gun. The devil didn't commit murder with those weapons. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. Jesus never mentioned the weapons used by highway robbers. He only spoke about murder and lies. And in the book of Hosea, God didn't say the priests were highway robbers. He said they were like highway robbers. As a troop of robbers, so the band of priests. An unlikely person, an angel, committed murder in an unlikely place, heaven. Where did the second murder take place? The second crime of murder, where did that take place? The second murder happened also in an unlikely place. The Garden of Eden. The paradise God created on earth for man to safely live in forever. And like the one in heaven, it was committed by the same suspect who this time committed his crime through an unlikely host. A serpent, the most subtle beast of the field at that time. God said Gilead was now polluted with blood. Satan polluted heaven by leading the angels to their death with his lies. Satan through a serpent polluted Eden by leading Adam and Eve to their death with his lies. Then Satan through the priests polluted Gilead by leading people to their death with his lies again. And now the same devil, through the pastors, through the priests, through the so-called men of God in our churches today, pollutes the church by leading people to their death with his lies again. Like heaven, like Eden, like Gilead, murders are being committed in unlikely places. The places with steeples on top of them. The church. And they're being committed through unlikely culprits. The pastors. The priests. The Bible teachers. The missionaries. And the like. Through the same weapon that was used to destroy the angels. And our parents. Teaching that rejects God's truth. And replaces it with the devil's lies. That's the murder weapon. In heaven, the devil appeared like he was trying to help the angels. Hey, let me help you out here. Big man's trying to keep you down. You follow me. I'll give you some real benefits here. 
In Eden, the serpent, which was the Satan uh, uh, in the host of the serpent, appeared like he was trying to help our parents. No, God knows the day you eat there, you'll be like God's, knowing good and evil. He's, you're not going to die. Let me help you out here. I'll tell you the real scoop. And in Gilead, the priests, who were the experts of spirituality in the people's minds, they appeared like they were trying to help the people. And in the church, many pastors appear like they're trying to help their congregants. And they're not. All they're doing is spreading lies and condemning the unlikely victims who follow them. And God said they do this, look back in your text, by consent. You see that? By consent. Which means they're not murdering these people unintentionally. You know, there's people who fill the pulpits today. And you think, well, they mean well. They're just mistaken in what they believe. That's a lie. Listen, if I mean well, I'm going to find out if what I'm preaching is the truth. Brother Doug over here. And we got two Dougs in here, by the way. Do you all know that? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand, Brother Doug, back there. Y'all look at the Doug back there. The guy with the beard. This guy, I told my wife on the way home after I met him last week, I said, that guy's like the epitome of manliness. Manliness. Got that manly beard, got a manly jeep out there. Manly. Manly Doug. Brother Doug over here. He goes, he's going to go preach in the nursing home today. Do you know what he's told me several times? Do you know what one of his greatest fears is? Not not, not being able to go preach in the nursing home. He's told me several times his greatest fear is preaching something that's not true. I don't want to preach something that's not right, Brother Fulton. He's told me that so many times. Not right, Brother Doug. Don't want to preach anything that's not right. Listen, before you get up and before you start giving people advice on where they will spend eternity, you better have some idea what you're talking about. If not, sit down and shut up. Now, seriously, this is serious. And these people that get up and they're trying to get the money from, these, from, from their congregants. And they're trying to lead people away from God's Word. And they're telling people, yeah, I know the Bible says this. But we've, we've evolved as a people now and our understanding of God's evolved. So now we, we're going to teach this diversity, equity, and inclusion in the church. And we'll be the church of... First Church of Rainbow Love. It's a lie. And they're doing it by consent. They know they're wrong. And they don't care. I went to a, a friend of mine and I went to go buy a tractor one day together. And there was this older fella out there. A little older than my dad. And he had this beautiful tractor all painted up. I mean, it was a beautiful old tractor. He cranked that rascal up. It sounded so nice. It runs so well. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, that is a nice old tractor. I like that tractor. And the more we sat there and talked, next thing you know, I saw water starting to leak out of the block. I didn't have glasses on. But I went, and I looked. I said, that's J.B. Weld on that block. And the man says, oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. You know what he was? 
He didn't, wasn't trying to sell me that tractor with good intentions. He was doing it consensually. He was willingly, eagerly trying to take my good money and give me a bad tractor. And he didn't care what it did to me. He didn't care if it brought a financial hardship on my family. He didn't care. In people that fill the pulpits today, many of them are the same ways. How could you tell if these priests were priests serving God? Very simple. Did they follow and teach the Word of God? And they did not. These priests were teaching people to serve false gods. They were mixing the true religion of God, being priests, in with the false gods of the nations around them. Spreading lies. They were doing it by consent. Anyone that knowingly violates what's black and white in the Bible is doing it intentionally. I don't give them any slack. They plotted together to enrich themselves with their false doctrines. Even at the cost of men's souls. And they were willing to destroy anyone that got in their way. When Jesus comes, He's going to turn this world around through the Gospels. As the priest then murdered by consent, when Jesus comes, He will serve God by consent. And we will serve God by consent. Zephaniah 3 verse 9. Listen to what God said. For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him with one consent. With one consent, the, pl- the, the priest said, Hey, this is what we'll do. But through the gospel, with one consent, one day we'll serve God and do exactly what He says. Instead of having a band of robbers, there will be a band of servers when Jesus comes. God said these priests murdered in the way. People who came to them for advice were murdered in the way. People who came looking to them for instruction, they, they brought them to death. I remember when I went to uh, my pastor's house looking for a way to be saved. When, when I was young, in my 20s, I said, Brother Jack, I, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'll, I'll do anything I need to do. I just want to be saved. Anything I need to do. Well, start reading the Bible more. Start going to church more. Start doing this more. Jesus never even came up. And that answer. God help us. People who would have traveled to Jerusalem to sacrifice were murdered in the way. Either outright murdered or murdered by being turned away with their false teaching. They were murderers, God said. Look back in your text. For they commit lewdness. And the word lewdness speaks of an evil plan. That's what that word means. In the the Hebrew word translated lewdness here. They had plotted an evil plan against God. And they committed this lewdness by worshiping false gods. Even sacrificing their children to these false gods. Wickedness. Robbing men of the truth that could give them everlasting life. The greatest crime seen on earth 
was the Garden of Eden. That's where Satan acted on an evil plan that he had to pollute God's holy earth and destroy the human race God loved and created. And now God sees how Satan's evil plan has spread to the land of Gilead. He says in Hosea 6.10, now if you'll look there, I have seen an horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. God looked upon the holy land he had given to Israel. There where he had built his temple. There we had established his people with his word. There we slew Goliath through David and gave Israel the victory and succored them as a nation. But there the devil's lies had infiltrated, polluted, and ruined the nation. And those same lies, if we're not careful, will infiltrate, pollute, and ruin our church. We've got to keep the lies out, and we have to stick with the Word of God. Right now, that infiltration, pollution, and ruin is, has reached to our nation. It has harmed our nation terribly. Like Israel, when God looks out on the world He created today, He sees a horrible thing. He sees the lands defiled. I mean, what a mess the devil's evil, evil plan has left us in as a nation. Each nation's trying to figure out how to get on the other nation, and <laughs> no one's trying to figure out how to help each other. If some nation is trying to help someone, it's only so they can lie in their pocket somehow in the background. It's an evil plan the devil figured out to destroy the human race and to pollute God's holy creation. But before Satan had plotted his evil plan, to pollute and destroy God's creation, I'll leave you with some good news. God had constructed a plan to cleanse it and redeem it. Satan had a serpent. Satan had a band of priests. Satan has false pastors and priests today and false teachers today, but God has a son. And through him... He will execute the gospel plan to the fullest. And the mess and the pollution that came to the, to the devil's lives will be eradicated through God's truth once again. The earth will be pristine. Sin will be put away. And God's Son will reign forever and forever. I thank God for the great warning we're given today. Be careful, because Gilead can be polluted. Watch out for your church. Watch out for your home. Be the gatekeeper to keep false doctrine out. And as I said in Sunday school today, we were looking how Judas, one of the apostles, betrayed Jesus. Never follow a man as far as just following a man. You follow a man who's following God's Word. You follow me as I follow Jesus. You let me be the Pied Piper who pipes the Word of God and you follow along. But if I ever start piping my own song, ever start coming up with my own ideas and start going that way, if anything ever contradicts God's Word, you remember Gilead. You remember those band of priests. No matter who is up here, 
By God's grace, that'll never happen through me. By God's grace, I pray, Lord, let that never happen. But no matter whoever gets up here, if I die in a plane crash going up to Indiana and back, or on the way to work, or whatever, or, or from lifting too much weight in the gym, that could happen, Brother Shepherd. That could happen. Whoever gets up here, you follow the Word of God. And you'll never go wrong. You follow a man that deviates from God's Word, you'll go wrong every time. And if, you're, if, if you follow him far enough, without having come to the truth of Christ, you'll follow him right into hell. Father, we thank you for your precious Word. We thank you for the warnings that we were given today in your Word. We thank you for the exceeding great and precious promise, dear Father God, that there is a priest... That is not a robber. He said the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But this priest said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, Father, that by consent, Jesus, our great high priest, doesn't take life. He came to give it. In his name we pray and we thank you.